Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about our next 633 event this Sunday, the live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, how to donate, and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael to introduce today's guest, Monique Dusson. Well, hey, folks, this is Pastor Michael Lance, and this is Walk in Truth, and this is a special broadcast, and I have a very special guest named Monique Dusson. And before I introduce her, you know uh, very well that our culture and the church is going through some very trying times on so many different levels. Uh, man, it, it, uh, it, it's been a heavy time, but it's also been a good time. Because I think whenever the church goes through trials, there's opportunity for growth. And right now we have some trials going on and some tension and pressure and even question marks around this idea of racism and, uh, you know, the, the back and forth going on on social media. Maybe you have felt uh, maybe you're kind of tired. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you think too much is being said. Not enough is being said. And maybe you're asking a question, and and this is my heart as a pastor. I'm always asking a question about, Lord, what should the church be doing at this hour? You know, I even asked a a friend of mine, what do you think that we should do? I'm a white pastor. I'll just put it out there. I was asking a black friend, what do you think the church should do right now? And even those answers are not really always clear. I think everybody has their opinion, but this is a program called Walk in Truth, and We regularly teach the Bible here. That's what we do. We really go verse by verse through the Bible. But we've been telling you about our free apologetics events that we do from time to time to bring clarity to issues that are coming up. And they could be in the culture, in the church, or both. And this is one of them. And we have a special uh, 633 event coming up on August 16th. And it's called Race, Injustice, and the Gospel of Critical Theory. And my special guest is Monique Dusan, and she's going to be at Living Truth in the city of Corona on August 16th, along with Krista. Uh, I want to say her name right, Monique. Bon, Bontrager, correct? Bontrager, yes. Yes. So hi, Monique. Uh, welcome to the broadcast. Hello. And we are so glad to have you. Thanks for taking time. And I thought what we'd first do is just kind of say, hey, this is Monique, and she's joined us today. Tell us a little bit about who you are, maybe uh, how long you've been a believer, and some of those details. Well, thank you for having me. My name is Monique Dusan, and um, let's see, I am a, I'm the founder of the Center for Biblical Unity. I founded the Center for Biblical Unity earlier this year in a response to just a lot of the um, the un- unrest and uprising I was seeing within culture and within the church, things that divided us along the lines of black and white. I actually lived overseas for four years, and when I came back home in 2018, I was completely surprised by just how divided everything was. Um, I had held on, or I at the time, I had held on to a belief called critical race theory for approximately 20 years. And in coming home in 2018 and getting in a conversation with the Lord about what was happening in culture and getting into conversations with my friends, 
um, the Lord began to walk me through a process of changing my paradigm, of understanding that critical race theory would never bring the church to unity, it will never bring culture to unity. But what it was doing within the church as brothers and sisters was completely dividing us. And so... 2020 comes around, and or 20, actually it was 2019, when, um, when he spoke to my heart to do the Center for Biblical Unity and to really approach the idea of unity, not so much this idea that I feel like is being put forth of racial reconciliation, but unity, like having very specific terms and using terms that are found in Scripture. So in earlier this year, in 2020, in February, I submitted paperwork to the state to actually be a nonprofit so that we could go and train um, not just pastors, but also leaders, laity on biblical, the biblical idea of unity, what has the, the early church believed. And when I say the early church, I mean, like, within the first 300 years of the church, how did we see um, either issues of ethnic unrest or um, partiality? And how did the church handle that? Right. What were the the ideas of justice and things like that? How did we? How did the church handle issues of justice? And so that is that's what what I've been doing for the last five months is well, Monique, really just focusing on unity. Yes, and I and I think it's wonderful that your website is called the Center for Biblical Unity. And I I listened to a podcast recently on that site, and you have there. I think it says one race, one savior, people, one people, one savior. And I love the fact that you are directing us toward a biblical solution because there's a lot of talking heads out there. There's a lot of opinions. There's almost, uh, in many ways, kind of a new gospel out there. And we'll talk about that. Um, And, you know, people are trying to find answers. Even, you know, there's been descriptions of a new canon. You got to read these books to be in the know. But if we just want to simplify things, and this is where we always go as Christians, we go back to Scripture. Jesus prayed that we would be one. We know that there are always challenges to being one in marriage, in relationships, in the church. Um, so this is this is an age-old problem. And the enemy is getting a foothold, unfortunately, in the church. And it's not just around this issue, but this issue is you know, something that's very significant. So I love that you're taking us back to the Bible. And I love the fact that, you know, what's driving the conversation is unity. Let's let's back up for a second. And you're you're a black woman. I'm a white pastor. I think we'll just put that on the table so people know who's talking. But um, let's talk about just the racism that is out there. I was telling a friend I uh, was listening to a broadcast, some of Vince Scully's uh, greatest broadcast moments. I'm a big baseball fan. And when Hank Aaron was about to break uh, Babe Ruth's home run record, uh, there was talk of death threats that were coming at Hank Aaron as a black man. And, you know, we could walk that out and say, yeah, there's there's real racism that happens out there. We have uh, empathy for that. We certainly, you know, I love the flock. I love people, whether they're white, black, brown, red, yellow. Uh, it doesn't matter. As a pastor, I love God's people. And I want to make sure that people know up front before we get into some of the other things that we have a heart of empathy for what happened with George Floyd, uh, what happens to people in our world. There is real racism. You grew up in South L.A. Do you want to come in a little bit about that before we move on to some of the other topics? 
Yeah, I mean, I grew up in South LA. Um, I, I was there during the riots. I, you know, I've seen racism. I've experienced racism. And you know, I would never say that racism doesn't exist. I believe that, you know, as long as there are people with hearts, you know, our hearts will, you know, participate in partiality and there's wickedness of heart. And so, yes, I think that, you know, racism does exist. That's just, you know, what it is now. The types of racism that are that's being put forward, um, I disagree with. Not not everything is um, is a racist structure, you know. Number one and number two, I also don't agree that um, because of the new definition of racism, that only white people can be racist and people of color cannot be. Yeah, and it seems like there there is pressure to. Um kind of keep up with what's going on and what you should say and how you should say it and how much you should say mm-hmm. and what you should post. And I think people are genuinely trying to keep up with it and trying to be sensitive, but there does seem to be a, a new paradigm with all of this. And so let's talk about a little bit about what you discovered because you discovered something called a uh, critical race theory. And a lot of people listening to this don't even know what that is. What, what does that mean? And how does that illumine someone's, insight into this whole issue? Well, um, critical race theory was part of, of what I learned when I was away in university. But I think um, seeing the full impact of it, once I got home, I was pretty surprised. And um, now what it actually is, is it's just the lens by which we view things. The, um, the lens of viewing everything through like a lens of race. And so what you're doing is you're critiquing society. Who are the oppressed and who are the oppressors based on race? What injustices are there based on race? This thought process comes out of critical theory, which was um, an ideology that was set up through the Frankfurt School. And the Frankfurt School back in the 30s were um, Marxist thinkers. And after Marxism fell, then these thinkers came together and formed the Frankfurt School. The Frankfurt School focused on critical theory, looking um, just at, you know, who are, who are the oppressed and who are the oppressors within a society. When you get to critical, critical race studies, you're, we're looking through the lens of race. So who is the oppressed and who are the oppressors in a society? What keeps the oppression going, um, what needs to be done to eradicate the oppression and things like that. And when you, when you mentioned the word Marxist, that, that is a term that, you know, grabs people's attention because people are watching what's happening in Portland and Seattle and, uh, different places where there's all kinds of protesting and we're hearing about Marxist, uh, you know, movements behind some of this stuff. And really what we're watching is, uh, a lot of chaos and division, uh, there's name calling that it's getting uh, violent and uh, man, it, it, it's and, and of course, we're concerned about all of that, but it's even creeping into the church. So you talked about this yeah. school, but but is the ultimate goal of, of this to eradicate injustice or is it to cause division? Well, it, I guess it really depends on the side that you're on. Um in in the way that I see it, I don't 
see a way um, that we will ever be able to get to unity because one of the founding tenets is that there is whiteness and that white people participate in a system that continually perpetuates my oppression as a black woman. And so there are things that, you know, white people can do to help alleviate these issues and ills in society. But at the end of the day, one of the fundamental tenets of critical race theory says that um, racism will only be eradicated when it's to benefit, when it's to the benefit of a white person or the white group. And so at that point, if there's no benefit to white people to end racism. Racism will always be there. My oppression will always be there. There's no real way for us to get to unity if you are always the oppressor and I'm always the oppressed. Some in the in the movement would believe, you know, especially those within Christianity, I believe that this framework offer and people who uphold it and want to uphold Christianity are doing so because they have a heart for people. They have a heart to see and affirm the dignity, value, and worth of people. Unfortunately, they couple it with this idea of oppressed and oppressor, and that's not going to get us to unity. And now for professionals like the people who are um, forming, um, who are behind Black Lives Matter and things like that, who um, self-proclaim themselves as Marxists, I don't know that there's any true vision of unity there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I also don't want to, you know, give motive to their heart. I just don't see how they can get that or get there. Yeah. And, and a lot of what we hear is, you know, uh, people who have protested for what we say are the right reasons. It, that's been a bit hijacked now, too. And where there were peaceful protests and people really trying to get to some of the core issues now, it, it seems very convoluted. And I think, you know, most people do see that. Let's let's circle back for a second. Because the Bible talks about that there's one race, and I know we hear a lot about racism, but really from one man, Acts 17, we all came, we're all brothers and sisters, right? We all come from Adam and Eve, Mm -hmm. ultimately. So it seems like that is a bit of a misnomer. And then um, it seems like we don't really understand what the Bible says about the unity that we already possess in the body of Christ. But I think people Mm -hmm. people who have a goal of... uh, wanting to see racial reconciliation also see that the church maybe isn't doing the best job in terms of reflecting the, the diversity uh, within the body. Do you see some connections to that? And what do you think are some solutions that would help us? Um, I do believe that, you know, like back in the, the civil rights movement, um, I wasn't there, but um, from what I've read and things that I've seen, conversations that I've had, I think that the the conservative evangelical church, anyway, could have done, quote-unquote, more, that there there could have been, you know, more conversations. They could have been invested in the movement more to to bring proper um, doctrinal teaching to unity and what that looks like among believers, what that looks like in culture. Like, how can we be a stand for these things as the church? But with that said, you know, I don't know that focusing or hyper-focusing on, oh my gosh, we didn't do this, we didn't do this, um, is going to be helpful. What I tend to focus on is what can we do right now? How can we be a stand for unity right now? And so when I look at, when I look at scripture, yes, there is one race. It is the human race. Um, 
And when I look at, you know, for us as Christians, God is forming um, one people. We are right now, um, you are either in Christ or you are in Adam. Yes. And so when when I look at that I'm, and I look at the church, I'm like, we are in Christ. And when I couple that with John 17 and the Lord praying and, and saying that he's given us what we need for unity, he's given us the glory or the Holy Spirit, he's given us that. Now, how do we walk that out? That's the conversation. It's not, you know, do we need to be united or do we need to be reconciled? The work has been done through the cross. We are now in the same family. How do we walk out the unity? Amen. And, and you know, uh, you're really quoting the essence of a lot of Ephesians 2, right? That we're one mm-hmm. new man. We've been reconciled, those of us who are far off. Uh, we are one new man, one new community. And, but... Oftentimes, when we hear all the cultural voices, instead of going to the scripture and saying, okay, we're already reconciled to God and to one another, let's walk that out. Let's learn how to love each other. Let's practice what Jesus said, you know, that he commanded us to love one another as he loved us. It seems like we mm-hmm. look at, we look to our, our culture for the answers. And so the church gets driven by the winds of culture. And this has always been a weakness as I've watched the church for the last uh, 30 years. We seem to be driven by the winds of culture more than the dictates of Scripture. Um, yeah. Now, you're telling us, you know, what the Bible says, but I still think people are listening and going, okay, I get it, and I've heard sermons like that, but walking that out, you know, what does that look like uh, in, a, in a fellowship? Now, I've seen it in our own fellowship, and I'm sure you've seen it as well. I mean, you know— uh, my brothers and sisters in Christ, it's phenomenal. It doesn't matter where you're from. But there are people who have had bad experiences, uh, people that have had bad experiences in the church. So, uh, you know, maybe something that was said to them that made them feel uh, not accepted or, uh, you know, they didn't belong. There's always that human element. So how do we let the dictates of Scripture instead of culture help us walk that out? Well, one, I think that um, we have to have a focus on doctrine, like on on biblical theology, and that needs to be, you know, put forth from the pulpit, one. Two, I think that we need to give space for conversations. You know, we can't be afraid to have conversations of race and racism within the church. We, you know, if something happens, um, you can, you know, if I'm a parishioner, I can bring it to the leadership's attention, or I can simply go to the person that may have offended me and say, hey, are you aware of this? I I don't know that as Christians, we're so willing to give the benefit of the doubt and to Mm -hmm. stand for relationship and love with our brothers and sisters. Um, and and also being willing to forgive. Yes. You know, or being willing to ask for forgiveness. Many times we want to hide or um, we get offended and we run away. Well, that's not that's not the, the way that we that we participate with one another when we're in Christ. Right. Well, we that, are, you know, one. <laughs> amen. This is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth. I have a special guest, Bonique Dusan, and she's coming to uh, Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. And she's coming with her friend Krista to talk about uh, race, injustice, and the gospel of critical theory. And we're trying to kind of walk that out. We're, we're wetting your whistle for this special 633 event happening Sunday night. August the 16th here at Living Truth in the city of Corona. 
Uh, Monique, you, you talked a little bit about having conversations. I've been having a lot of conversations with people, um, maybe more than I've ever had before. I do think that there's been in times past, some would say that we haven't had enough conversations and maybe it's because we were afraid to broach the subject or it was hard to go there for maybe a white person or a black person to say, Hey, this is how this made me feel. Um, so I think you said something critical. This is just a relational aspect of, Hey, if you're my friend, you're my brother, my sister, can we talk about it? Can we do Matthew 18? If you, if you offended me, can I go to you and say, Hey, I don't know if you realize this, but this is how I receive that. You're just giving us some, mm-hmm. some really good counsel, but I'm not sure we do it really well in the church. No, and I mean, instead, what we're seeing now is that if I'm offended by something, I'll if I'm a person of color, I'll call it a microaggression. Mm. Well, what if you know? What if it wasn't? What if that person wasn't? You know, what if it had nothing to do with race or racism? You know, what if we just decided we were going to have a conversation and talk about? the issues that are that are there or the perceived issues and don't be afraid to address these issues with truth mm-hmm. you know like the issue of microaggression we can bring that into the church but when it comes in we need to have discussion about well what are you defining are you jumping to to give someone's heart a motive what does paul say about assigning motive to someone's heart right you know like let's have have true conversation and bring correction when needed Yes. So you're talking, you're really talking in terms of a framework. And if we have a biblical worldview, then we should have a biblical framework in terms of how we deal with one another. And we're not always good about that because a lot of times we don't even know what the Bible says about some of these subjects. And that's what we need to learn more. So we start uh, assigning motive. We start thinking, oh, we categorize something. And, and, And someone might say, well, part of the reason I do that is because I've had some negative experiences. And so they might say something like this, maybe even under their breath, Oh, here we go again. So mm-hmm. how can, how can that true change come? Um, and unless we do what you're suggesting. And I think people are hungry to know, okay, how, how do we apply our biblical worldview to this? Because I think a lot of people are feeling frustration, pressure, all of those things. So maybe give us a, Maybe summarize that for us in the next minute or so about, you know, just a little bit more on on walking that out. It's going to be the method of going again. You know, no one's going to get it right the first time. Be prepared to be offended. Be prepared to offend. You know, like, these are the hard conversations, though, that people don't want to have. It's like, you know, oh, I want to get this right. I just want to, you know, do it right, and then we can just move on. But the idea that's put forward in scripture of all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I don't know that that's a one-time thing like, Oh, I sinned once and fell short of the glory of God. Or the idea that we are sinful people. We make mistakes. We, we have hearts that are proud and things like that. And so we need to understand that, you know, I have a responsibility to forgive. I also have a responsibility to ask for forgiveness. Above all, I have a responsibility to love. You know, how do we put these things forward and and do them, um, like actually walk out the word that we're claiming we believe? 
Well, the concept of personal responsibility is so refreshing because it's really what the Bible yeah. teaches us to do. Well, Monique, I want to carry on the conversation, but we're coming to the close of this first broadcast. So let me just kind of try to tie a bow on this. Uh, Monique Dusan is our special guest. She's coming out with her friend Krista to do a special 633 event at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where I serve as senior pastor. This is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth. And this event is happening on August the 16th. It starts at 6.33 in the evening. It's an apologetics night to deal with the topic of race and justice and the gospel of critical theory. And we're just starting to kind of try to wet your whistle a little bit about some of the conversation and uh, the details that will go on that night. We are also going to have a time of Q&A. And uh, you'll be able to ask a question when you download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store. Just look for the red logo with the pillars. Monique, I'm so glad that I've had this first conversation with you. We're going to continue on, but uh, thank you so much for being with us. We're, we deeply appreciate it. Thanks for having me. God bless you. Don't forget, if you've missed any part of today's program, you can listen on walkintruth.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And so, you know, Pastor Michael Lance is the senior pastor here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. And we want to invite you to one of our Wednesday night or Sunday morning services here in person or live streamed on YouTube. Join Pastor Michael and the Living Truth Christian Fellowship family in worship and for an inspiring teaching in the Bible. You can find Living Truth Christian Fellowship on YouTube and by going to walkintruth.com. Pastor Michael and all of us here on the Walk in Truth team would love it if you joined us. And before you go, we would like to say that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Your $5 donation helps us broadcast on the radio, provide the podcast, and to do free apologetic events. It's all part of our mission to equip you with the truth of the Bible and how it applies to today's issues, trends, and culture. So please give your donation at walkintruth.com. And thank you to everyone who's been giving $5, and in some cases, much more in the past few months. You've been a huge blessing. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 4.21 through 5.1 called Standing Firm in Freedom. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people. You can catch the rest of the conversation between Pastor Michael and his guest Monique Dusan on the Walk in Truth podcast. Visit walkintruth.com to listen or you can find Walk in Truth wherever you get your podcasts.